can be if it'll get me a Netflix special. Not that most white people can tell us apart anyways. I'm Simone Park, you guys have been a great crowd. Thank you so much. Wasn't she great, ladies and gentlemen? Up next is Al Bates and his Chucky doll. Give him a round of applause. Thanks, guys. I sure hope I'm funny tonight. What do you think about that, Chuck? Not likely. <laughs> so, Chucky, tell me the hardest part about being a dog. Uh, my wife always wants me to wear rubber on my wood. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. I tell her, hey, baby, I'm made up both already. <laughs> Why, what's the worst part of being a human? Looking as stupid as you do? Well, at least I don't have a hand up my ass. Oh, you stink! Oh, come on. Oh, great, the lights are on already, okay. Okay, well, thanks, fuck you guys. Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am so sorry. Give me $200. Sir, if you could please wait, I promise you nothing tonight will be worse than that. We just got news that a special guest is here tonight. Uh, please put your hands together for Mr. Michael Richards. Shut up! 50 years ago, you had your own pipe down with a f Marilyn Manson can walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say... Oh, wow. Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to pay scale. Take a look around! Dodge this. Welcome to Take a Look Around, where they're not action figures, they're dollies, Mom. I'm Alistair Bates. You're joined with my co-host, co-founder, and co-vice president, Sean, Shawnee Campion. Sean, how are you today? I didn't know you were going to do that bit coming in. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm fantastic, Al. And I'd like to That's give a very so special shout out to Reagan, the boyfriend of recent Patreon subscriber, Matt. Matt Archer, everybody. Who, Thank you uh, to Reagan. Bride of Chucky and the Child's Play series is his favorite. So wow. thank you for not subscribing to <laughs> Deadbeat Reagan. Boyfriend is less uh. cheap than you are. <laughs> hey, look, Sean, before we start uh, playing like children, if it were, would you like to know, or if you could tell me that I would like to know about any upcoming new metal movies? Al, since you phrased it so horribly, I would love to. <laughs> Can I have a drum roll, please? Absolutely. For the year 2020, we are edging ever closer. Actually, we've hit the middle part of the year. So I'm, I'm hoping that after the lackluster results of the first half of 2020, that maybe we'd have some new new Metal films on the horizon. Now, Al, if you'll brace for this, I am very excited to tell you that there are no new new Metal movies. Oh my God. <laughs> as, as if this year couldn't get any worse. No. <laughs> I blame Trump. Yeah, man. Someone, hey, we're getting political. <laughs> That's what I bring. Get out of here, please. You might have heard a third very angry voice. You may know him from Channel 7's Border Security, Australia's Frontline, <laughs> or as the frontman to Australia's greatest live act, Totally Unicorn, uh, Drew Gardner. Drew, how are you going? I'm going very well. Thank you for asking. That's my pleasure. Sean... Would you like to ask Drew what it was like to be on board of security? Yeah, I was literally about to do that. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm very excited to hear. It was um, the most stressful six hours of my life. Well, you guys looked chill as a cucumber. What did you do? What was that tour for? Was that for Heavy Heavy Lolo? Yeah, it was. Holy we brought shit. them out here. And they blew it. Yeah. <laughs> Explain. I'm a dum dum. I'm not. I'm not included. All of our audience are dum dums. 
Let's 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 hear the story. So the lead singer wanted to come out a little bit earlier because he had nothing else on, and so we're like, sure. So he came out a week earlier. He literally got caught by customs coming in with one T-shirt and a hundred and forty dollars for four weeks or something. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> Classic, he just broke down when they interrogated him and just spilt the beans and showed our MySpice page with all the tour dates and all our top friends, all eight of them. Is this coward Uh, uh, aware that you're telling this story? (laughs) Well, the good news is he got in. Oh, that's nice. You can't stop the rock, man. Yeah. We faked that we were going to get him the right visa. He had the wrong visa. So tell me, how did this end up on Channel 7's award-winning primetime border security Australia's front line? Well, after four hours of waiting for him at arrivals, we thought, hmm, something's a bit fishy here. And we thought, oh, wouldn't it be funny if he got caught by border security? Yeah, it wasn't as funny as we thought. (laughs) (laughs) So they make for gripping television? It, they loved it because it wasn't some poor soul from an Asian country or somewhere else getting caught. It was uh, a rock and roll American with tattoos all over him. And five beardy dudes in jean shorts. Yeah. And I think I had a fedora on. Right on, man. So do they do they speed up the process if you if you're like, hey, You'll let us film you at your lowest point. Uh, maybe we'll let you in the country. Well, that was the thing. They wanted to, us to sign off before he had entered. And we said, we're not signing off until he comes in. And Ooh. yeah, we turned the tables. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I once got stopped at border security uh, going into America and it was just me and a guy in cargo shorts wearing a t-shirt that said... I'm not saying I'm Batman, but have you ever seen the two of us in the same room together? <laughs> and I was just like, Jesus Christ, we are not threats. <laughs> we are the least threatening people. I have a podcast about new metal movies, people. Let me in. Yeah. It was because both of you were wearing cargo shorts. <laughs> no one's gotten a hand job in cargo shorts since Nam. Drew, totally in a corner, probably maybe Australia's heaviest touring band at the moment. You've played with fucking pretty much everybody like fucking black flag that was weird (laughs) whoa cool what the yeah what the indeed it was for that tour right (laughs) yeah Um, drew what's your relationship with new metal or just heavy music in general aside from being the front man (laughs) so i never liked new metal i'm sorry very sorry. I grew up as a punk rock guy. Give me some no effects. Yeah, Give me rocking. some fat records. <laughs> but uh, turns out all the other idiots in my band absolutely love new metal. Yeah, right. And every time we get in that van, they put it on. And let me tell you, I've gone to the University of Spineshank. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, right. Come Lord. <laughs> so, uh, Drew, you like playing on the road. But do you like playing with dollies? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Mama. Mama. What about child's play? You love child's play? Wait, no, that sounds bad. I mean, just the franchise child's play. Yeah, I'm reading that in the run sheet, and it, it's, it reads as bad as it sounds like you're saying it. Wow. Um, I was always terrified of the movies. Well, that's good because we're watching the comedy sequel to Child's Play 3, Bride of Chucky. Play the clip.
Chucky is the incarnation in the Child's Play franchise, a horror movie franchise featuring the titular doll Chucky, the homicidal maniac, played by Erst Oscar nominee Brad Dorif. Now, after Child's Play 3 was made in the early 90s, there was an eight-year gap before Bride of Chucky would come out. However, the events of Bride of Chucky take place a one month after the events of Child's Play 3. We find ourselves in, well, a rainstorm with a lot of blue tint and some Dutch tilt camera angles as we see a police officer investigating an evidence locker. Now, this, this isn't any regular evidence locker. This is an evidence locker of the day. Oh, yeah, you see Freddy Krueger's cool glove cool jason mask <laughs> uh, leatherface's chainsaw michael myers's mask this film then hits us with a title card that lets you know you're gonna have a good time it bangs up a ronnie you film ronnie you of course friend of the show director of freddy versus jason as the policeman steals from the evidence locker we're introduced to Tiffany, played by Jennifer Tilly, who stabs him in the throat. <laughs> She's absolutely fantastic in this. Let's let's get the elephant out of the room straight away. She oozes star power, charisma, sex appeal. Every line reading she has is fantastic. She's the best part of this film, hands down. Yeah, and uh, ass up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, you stink! After Jennifer Tilly cuts this policeman's throat, we are treated to Rob Zombie's Living Dead Girl. <laughs> it was great. Was this written for this film? I don't know, man. Who knows? I can't get into the mind of Rob Zombie. I'd say yes. <laughs> yeah. Living Dead Girl was a big LimeWire fave for me. Like, I was like, this is the darkest, most possible, scariest music known to man. Yeah. This whole intro sequence kind of concludes with Jennifer Tilly sewing up the chunks of a Chucky doll. Smash cut to John Ritter playing a policeman, the uncle to Catherine Heigl's character. It's bizarre seeing her in early film roles because there was a very long period in the mid-2000s where she was the biggest star in the world. Yeah. And you see her in this, you see her in Under Siege 2 as, Sylvester, as Steven Seagal's daughter. Like, there's no evidence of what she would go on to become. It's almost as if this movie has been erased from most people's memories. With her arsehole uncle Warren, mm. why is he looking after? Where are the parents? Did they explain that? It's never touched on. No. It's so weird. I, I assumed they had died in the last movie or something. Oh. It's, it's never touched on. I've seen Child's Play 3. Oh, right. Okay. This yeah, there's there's no connection between Catherine Heigl and anything. She just you know she just happens to have a dickhead <laughs> yeah. uncle. Yeah, he's an uncle. That's her lot in life. Well, I'm Chief Kincaid, Jade's uncle. David Collins, nice to meet you, sir. David, come on in. Jade, David's here. Well, I've been hearing good things about you, David. I understand you're off to Princeton next fall. Yes, sir. What are you going to study? Theater arts. Mm -hmm. But on an athletic scholarship, right? Playing hockey? Figure skating. Mm-hmm. Jade! Warren, don't scream. You look great. Jade, uh, I have to tell you, this guy is a big improvement over the last one. I think your mother and father would have agreed. My parents liked all my friends. I'll be home by midnight. John Ritter opens the door to what we can only call New Metal Limmy. Uh, 
one of our erstwhile su- supporting characters of the film is a, a young homosexual man who's best friends with Catherine Heigl. He didn't even know how to put a corsage on her. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. He was okay with it. I think <laughs> going out with him then. When they just jump in the car and start making out in front of their friend, it was so weird. And this is like a reoccurring thing in the film where it's kind of implied there's a weird love triangle between the gay friend, uh, Catherine Heigl's boyfriend, and Catherine Heigl. They get arrested by Warren. Warren's little stool pigeon, little. What did they call him? I think it was needle like nose. Rich's needle needle nose. They call him needle nose pliers. Needle dick. He's a prick. Because he's a prick. He looks like a prick. He looks like Squiggy. Yeah, he he looks kind of like he was just grown in a vat for like to make the ultimate douche. Like he's just <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate early two thousands douche. <laughs> Jennifer Tilly, it, it goes back to her character Tiffany in a trailer park. She is putting Chucky inside of a pentagram and is reading some hoodoo voodoo kind of stuff. Actually, the book literally says voodoo for dummies, which that's that's <laughs> such a nineties joke. It's pretty good. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the fact, Ronnie, you made Freddy vs. Jason in 2004, I was under the impression that this was an early 2000s film. But as soon as I saw Voodoo for Dummies, I was like, holy shit, we are smack bang in 1998. This could not get any more 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't get any more 90s than the next scene where a young... Marilyn Manson-esque clone comes in and tries to fuck Jennifer Tilly. Alexis Arquette, you'd know her from uh, The Wedding Singer. They are in um, Adam Sandler's band in that film. They were, unfortunately, Alexis Arquette died recently, but she was the the younger sister of uh, Rosanna, Patricia, and Screams, David Arquette. Oh, wow. What a dynasty. Yeah. Medium, yeah, Scream. Yeah, honestly, like, <laughs> yeah, the biggest 90s dynasty I can think of. <laughs> Fuck, did you just say Medium? That was my mum's favourite show. It was everyone's mum's favourite show. <laughs> How'd you get this thing? Got it from the cops. It's the actual doll from those murders. I stitched them together. You gotta be kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. Why oh, would I on. kid you? Tiffany, I knew you were obsessed, but... I'm not... A... Chucky? He's so 80s. No, he's not. scary. Yes, he is. Look at him. You look at that punk. You look at me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I was wrong. I thought he'd make an interesting toy. <laughs> Damien? Huh. You want to play? Whilst uh, this loser tries to explain the pe- la petite moi, <laughs> I don't know whatever he says. <laughs> Whilst... La petite moi, oh, the little yeah. death, French for mm, orgasm. Mm, yum yum. Christ. <laughs> 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 he gets like fucking stabbed to death by the also, dolly. His lip ring thing. What it had like two bits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had a wallet chain. Yeah. <laughs> as a lip ring, it was amazing. It's uh. And this is kind of where... I don't feel like the movie enters a black hole, but it enters this weird kind of... Chucky's back. The Jennifer Tilly character is revealed to be his long-lost fuck thing. And she's, like, obsessed with him and wants to marry him. And he's like, fuck that, man. I'm not getting married. So she puts him in a cot? (laughs) Was it? It's great stuff, isn't it? He breaks out of the cot, and whilst she's kind of strumming one out in the bath to the Bride of Frankenstein, (laughs) Chucky throws the TV into the bathtub where she dies, only to be reincarnated in the body of a sexy doll. (laughs) It's almost as if pop culture and horror films 
have some kind of meta impact on horror films of the time. I wonder what film could have introduced that concept a year previously. <laughs> Little loser trailer park kid gets conned into taking the dollies to the seventh layer of hell, New Jersey. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We are, we are missing the crucial point of the film here, which is that while Chucky attempts to murder Tiffany, Tiffany is reincarnated in another doll where she finds herself also a, a girl Chucky, a Tiffy. If you I will. didn't pick up on that at all. <laughs> is that what happened? <laughs> you didn't you didn't realize that there was a that maybe the bride of Chucky was probably like the point of the film, Al. That Wait, that was, that's what this movie was called. <laughs> I thought it was called Sexy Little Dolls. <laughs> So basically, Tiffany is now reincarnated as uh, a, a new Chucky doll. What are they called? Good guys. Uh, play- Good guy dolls. Uh, where Chucky Ironic. gets the great line, <laughs> Come on, Tiff. Let's die a hey, little. Hey, very cool. Now, basically, from here on out, the concept of the film is a MacGuffin is introduced, which is the Jewel of Dambala. Introduced for Bride of Chucky, it has no place within the earlier Child's Play film. That we know of. But it's said to be, <laughs> the, it's said to be the source of all of Chucky's power, voodoo powers, and it's the only way they can transfer their souls and consciousness back into another body. Now, where is the Jewel of Dambala? Why it has been left on Tommy uh, Wiseau, Charles, <laughs> yeah, whatever Brad Dorff's, um, whatever Brad Dorff's serial killer character from the first film, it's been left on his. He court. actually looks like the doll. <laughs> so weird. He, he, the more the older Brad Dorff gets, the more he resembles Chucky. Now, it's been left on his corpse in, as Al said, the seventh layer of hell, Havensack, New yeah. Jersey. And so they need to take a cross-country journey to exhume the corpse of Chucky and get back the Jewel of Dambala so that they can be back in their bodies ready to, I don't know, what, be serial killers and fuck each other? Like, they don't really have... Yeah, I think. They're like living in the moment. <laughs> they're Bonnie and Clyde, people. baby. Dolly and Clyde. On top of this... No, <laughs> uh, on top of this, Catherine Heigl and her trailer trash boyfriend, David, is that his name? They're on the run because they've been framed... No, well, they ran away to get married. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, David and... thousand dollars. David and Catherine Heigl are, are running away to get married because David has been tricked into taking the dolls to New Jersey by Tiffany on the phone. Tiffany promises him $1,000 if he can get them to Havensack, New Jersey, where the money will be paid to them upon delivery of the dolls. Yeah. This is kind of where the movie just veers into this weird parody of marriage and heterosexual relationships. And it, it becomes very quick where Katherine Heigl's character, is it uh, Jesse? Jade? Yeah, it's Jade. Jade and David begin... Um, just arguing about the petty bullshit yeah. that people do in long-term relationships straight away. Yeah. I can't do this. What? I, I, I can't go with you, Jesse. Not anymore. Oh man, I'm glad you said that first. Why? Jade, this is too much for me. I love you. I will always love you, but there is a limit to how much I can take. Would you please stop talking to me like I'm the one who's crazy? You're the crazy one! You're the mad murderer! You mean multiple murderers! We're treated to some incredibly 90s gags where Chucky smokes pot. Oh, yeah. This ancient grandpappy's dolly. <laughs> and uh, proceeds to make jokes about Christian Slater. There's a Martha Stewart joke in there. This couldn't be any more 1998 if Enron didn't collapse. <laughs> yeah, there's just a C plot of uh, Enron collapsing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> this movie kind of just meanders till the very end, mm. where all of a sudden they're in a graveyard stabbing and 
fighting the dollies. Also, the guy digging the grave, it was like in the middle of the night. Yeah. Thunderstorm. There's a guy digging up the grave. Bad job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, we've skipped the puppet sex. (laughs) Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't blow the load entirely. You're as bad as Chucky is. So, after murdering a couple in the honeymoon suites, where in typical 90s fashion, this guy has got gelled back hair and satin boxes with with love hearts all over them. As a child, I just assumed that that's the underwear that all me- adult men wore thanks to television. Yeah, from Granny Mays. Granny Mays. Yeah. So... Uh, It's revealed that after much bickering, Tiffany and Chucky realise that they do have common ground, which is murdering strangers for no apparent reason. Upon that, it's as Chucky says, man, you know I'm uh, anatomically correct. (laughs) Yeah, all the plumbing works. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, which we are proceeded to, which we'll see in much more graphic detail a few years later in 2002's Team America World Police, we get an absolutely fantastic puppet sex scene in which Tiffany remarks, Babe, do you have a rubber? And he says, I'm all rubber! (laughs) A few moments later. Once they get to the graveyard, a weird nothing fight happens. It's kind of clear that one of the shots of the fight, it's just people wearing dolly costumes. Excuse oh, yeah. me, Al, you're saying nothing happens in the fight. Are you forgetting the fact that we see two dolls go at it with shovels? Yeah. Ow! Chucky falls in the doll hole <laughs> into his corpse before screaming, Go ahead and shoot! I'll be back! I always come back! But dying is such a bitch. And luckily, an FBI agent shows up at the very last minute and is like, what the fuck is with this doll? And starts shooting. And then at the end, this cop's like, ah, you see my good kids. Get out of here. Ruffles their hair. The FBI agent literally turns to uh, Jade and David and says, Well, I've seen all I need to see here. <laughs> I'm gonna try. <laughs> Good luck trying to explain this to the boys. Anyway, you guys get out of here. <laughs> it's, it's literally like, that's it. That's the movie is over. He's been like stabbed in the... The kid was... David was stabbed in the back as well. And it was literally like... Just stay low for a while. You'll be fine. <laughs> You're leaving out a crucial part. This is my favorite part of the movie where the FBI agent finds Tiffany's charred up corpse and just starts prodding it. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's revealed she was pregnant and this monster just jumps out of a doll pussy and fucking kills the FBI agent. And then cut to the end. Cut the credits directed uh. by Yoni Yu. Fantastic. The little baby looked like the Total Recall guy. Oh, Quado, yeah. Reactor Quade. So, the production of this film kind of came around. Well, it took a long time. It was about eight months. Not eight months. Sorry. uh, Years. Eight years, thank you. The preceding film, Child's Play 3, was the franchise's weakest box office haul. On top of it being the weakest box office haul of the whole franchise, the unfortunate and frankly terrifying murder of Jamie Bulger, the uh, the young two-year-old child that shocked the nation of the United Kingdom back in the early 90s, the two children attributed their actions entirely to Child's Play 3. I've seen that movie and I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah, now I mean... This would be a massive shadow cast upon uh, the franchise. The two children went into witness protection, one of which moving to Sydney, Australia, living in Erskineville. 
I wonder what he's up to now. Is it my house, mate? <laughs> <laughs> he's right in front of you. <laughs> and I think the real driving force behind the franchise, as a lot of fans of the franchise will know, is Don Mancini. Uh, he is the sole creator of the original Child's Play film. He's directed three films in the franchise, but he's written every single one. Now, not even Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Scream, all of the biggest franchises you can think of in horror films have had a singular voice at the center of them. If you have a look at Mancini's IMDb page, you'll see that outside of Chucky, he never worked on another thing until the late 2000s when he worked on Hannibal and Channel Zero. He made Chucky his full-time job for literally his entire 20-year career before even thinking about moving on to something else. Which, I mean, as there are differing ideas about for like the dips in the Child's Play franchise, but they always have got a singular voice to them. That's pretty remarkable. And Don Mancini, we thank you for your hard work. <laughs> I guess after seeing the success of Scream, Don Mancini, he realized that, hey, there's money in meta commentary of shitty horror films and it was kind of the bolt of lightning he needed to get into the swing of creating a new movie. And I think it was, it just as you say, it was in the wake of Scream, suddenly Universal is like, oh, well, we have, you know, this is one of our in-house, you know, scare, scary characters. What can we do with that? But, you know, it was very much wanting to be in, in the mode of, of, of something that was, had some humor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, you know catnip to me because I, I love comedy and I, I wanted to make a different kind of movie. And I know that David Kirshner, um, uh, our producer, has been you know, wor- uh, the producer on all the movies. We both felt like, let's not keep making the same movie over and over again, mm-hmm. which I felt we were falling into that trap with Child's Play 3 a little bit. So by reinventing it as a comedy, by embracing the absurd elements that are latent in the material anyway, um, acknowledging them and, and t- turning them to our advantage by creating this other character, we just felt like we could reinvent it I- in a way that could be really fun. So Scream, of course, as many of our listeners would know, uh, 1995 would, and 1997 would see Scream, uh, Scream and Scream 2 enter the cinemas in which basically the whole concept of 80s and early 90s slasher films will be turned on their head with all of the tropes being laid out on display for the characters to understand them as much as we do the audience. The influence of Scream is so heavy on the production of Bride of Chucky to the point that the actual film's posters are a direct mimic in terms of graphic design, titling, and everything of the Scream 2 posters. It's so crazy that really tries to be a scream style meta commentary but it ends up kind of being more of a john waters film like really insanely camp (laughs) let's touch on that camp aspect i guess don mancini for as long as the child's play franchise had been going had been trying to introduce gay characters much to i guess the disapproval of the studio system and just the kind of people who produce horror films mancini himself is gay and had really tried to inject his gay identity into the film i feel like the natural temperature of the water in america and hollywood had thawed out a fair bit to the idea of queer identity by 1998 not to the extent we are now but to the point that we were ready for i'm gonna call it right now this film is the 90s rocky horror picture show that's the closest yeah a bunch of squares are kidnapped by some savvy criminal queer perverts and taken (laughs) on a roller coaster ride yeah i mean 
the Dylan character looks just like Rocky as well and has the <laughs> the same uh, love triangle <laughs> with uh, when, um, the plain Jane and the plain Jock. When Jennifer Tilly dresses up for her voodoo ceremony when Alexis Arquette turns up, it's the exact same outfit that Tim Curry's wearing in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, wow. I didn't even pick up on that. You were staring at uh, them thangs, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> This film, despite being divisive in the critical literati world, it was a pretty strong winner in the box office. Uh, American audience really loved it and positively responded to the funnier and queerer Chucky movie. And that delighted Mancini, who kind of felt he was very emboldened by it and kind of gave him the momentum to make in the truly insane <laughs> Seed of Chucky. Now, Bride of Chucky and Sea of Chucky would be large influences on both the queer and the trans community with uh, Seed of Chucky taking on a lot of openly trans aspects with the, the genderless Seed of Chucky uh, um, who's named after Glenn or Glenda, the famous uh, early oh, Ed Wood film? Ed Wood film about... Uh, cross-dressing and adult film actress bailey J gets her name from the name of the cop that's killed at the start of bride of chucky so i mean and the whole concept of these both seed of chucky and bride of chucky is body transmogrification and the idea of getting to a more perfect body I, i can see where he where everyone was coming from in terms of the making. I don't know if Ronnie Yu was, but uh, (laughs) Don Mancini definitely was. A lot more about this film's production can be found on Catherine Heigl's official website, (laughs) where she has long, detailed production histories of everything she's ever been in. Uh, I'll post the link in the episode (laughs) description. That's so production wise i did touch on the fact that this film felt like an early 2000s film because of ronnie Yu's influence but it is 1998 and a lot of that feeling and vibe can be found in the fact that how influential hong kong filmmakers of the early and mid 90s would be on the early 2000s uh actor uh sorry directors such as john woo c hark um, would have a lot of their influence on The Matrix would and Blade, which would take really the stylistic imprint for action films of, of that era. If only someone would make a podcast about those films of that era. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Yu came to Hollywood after his fantastic film Bride with the White Hair, a Wuxia film, which was a massive hit in his native Hong Kong. But a lot of Hong Kong directors were coming across the Hollywood due to a lot of uncertainty about the Hong Kong film industry with the 1997 reunification between Hong Kong and China and a lot of triad infiltration into the Hong Kong film industry as it was such a booming business. I was reading stories earlier about... Uh, someone as largely respected as Jet Li, his business manager was shot to death on the street in 1992. And that's how prominent that the triads were within the industry, that they could touch someone that high up the ladder. Did Jet Li like go on a karate <laughs> revenge spree and kill them? Still to this day, he's going <laughs> to... I hope so. That sounds like a good movie. Bit of spine shank in there, don't you reckon, Drew? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Fuck this movie ruled. The soundtrack is friend of the show, Graham Revel. <laughs> Composer behind... It's actually pronounced Graham Revel. Ah, right. What was that band he was in, Sean? Uh, SPK, Surgical Penis Clinic. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that reminds me. <laughs> he also famously scored CSI, Daredevil, and uh, he is the inspiration for Jason Siegel's character from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, something we've already touched upon. Repetition works, David. The soundtrack album features 
such classic new metal acts such as Static X, Rob Zombie's brother, Power Man 5000, Cold Chamber, Rob Zombie, White Zombie. All of the zombies are on the sound. Zombie Zombie. I'm glad you're doing something with your little brother, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Means the world that you two are spending time together. Yeah, uh, geez, Rob, can I come out on tour with you? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> There's also classic metal acts such as Judas Priest, Motorhead, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden and Slayer. I would say it's a very rare moment of classic metal acts and new metal acts standing shoulder to shoulder, father to son. (laughs) I did notice with the soundtrack on the movie, when the friend dies, fatally gets hit by the truck. And they're driving away, looking out the window, and the bu- and the truck driver's looking at the front grill. Blood splattered everywhere. Cue the song, Judas Priest. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rocking. So, I want to posit something to you guys, and specifically Drew, the hater of new Metal, who somehow wormed his way on. I don't hate it anymore. Don't hate it anymore? After this movie. Yeah, master's degree in <laughs> Taproot. Huh? Finally brought him on. <laughs> so, we've talked a lot on an earlier episode of the show about how 1997 Spawn was really a prototype for the new Metal film. And we're going to touch on it at a later date. Judgment Night would be a prototype for the new metal soundtrack in a film. But is this the first proper new metal film? 1998, we get Cold Chamber. We get Rob Zombie. We get Power Man 5000. We've got Dutch Angles. We've got terrible CGI. We've got corny jokes. What are we thinking, fellas? I think you might be onto something. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners could please fire off on the Instagram or on the Twitter, or if you're 100 years old, Facebook. Please let us know if there's an earlier film we're missing, but I'm calling it now. Bride of Chucky is the first proper new metal film. It's so amazing to go back to the very start and see the seed that grew a giant oak tree. (laughs) (laughs) So, Drew, this is a new segment we're trialling. It's called The Great Poetry of New Metal Movies, where we quote our favourite quote from the film. Oh, yes. As you're our guest, we would love you to go first. I've actually written it down. Oh, so it did amazing. <laughs> so there was an amazing scene where they're at the diner. They got caught by the cops or something. And they set the car on fire, or Chucky did. And as he was crawling away, there was a stoner, scar guy, oh, yeah. sitting <laughs> in his car. Chucky flipped him the bone as he was taking a toke. And he said... Rude fucking dog. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed and I laughed. Rude fucking doll. That is a cool dolly. (laughs) Uh, Sean, what about you? Uh, I wrote down mine as well. Around the same time at this diner sequence, Chucky is uh, flicking through the radio stations he can find and says... Jesus, the music's gone to hell since I died. And then proceeds to flick between the stations until he gets to a biohazard track and just starts completely rocking out. <laughs> uh, I, if possible, can we... It's, the track before that was some Scar, real big yeah. fish track as well, which... Worst is this shit? Never mind, Jesus, the music scene's gone to hell since I've been dead. That's more like it. Chucky makes it uh, incredibly clear where his allegiances lie. I gotta say, my favorite line of the film, I think it's definitely the hardest I laugh, is when Chucky throws the speaker spell after writing bitch into it (laughs) and just yells, shows how much you know. Spell? 
woman. E-I-T-C-H. That is incorrect. <laughs> the correct spelling of woman is W-O-M. Shows how much you know. <laughs> Pretty sweet. <laughs> so given it the thorough treatment we didn't play we didn't child's play we child's worked we talked about the soundtrack we talked about our favorite quotes we recapped production and plot now we got to do the most important thing of the episode the man's play the man yeah man's play that's it baby we're all grown up we got to give this film a bodies hit the floor score bodies hit the floor score the bodies hit the floor score drew I'm sure you're familiar with the Drowning Pool song, Bodies Hit the Floor. I am. Yes. Well, we over here at Take a Look Around use a system where instead of giving a film five stars, we rate it out of five bodies that have hit the floor. Based on that very convoluted explanation, I'd love to know how many bodies you'd see hit the floor for this film. Hey, look, I'm sure you could all guess. And so can the listeners. I give this. Five bodies. Oh, what? <laughs> there we go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm as generous as you. Oh. But uh, <laughs> well, are there any reasons for you giving it five, Drew? I just enjoyed it. Yeah, it was nice. Pretty it was on YouTube, so it was <laughs> free. <laughs> it's just a good old-fashioned movie about dollies and what's not to love. <laughs> I'm going to give it three stars, man. I fucking had a ball. I, I was... Every time the dollies were running around and playing with each other, I was dying. It was... It's just so silly, man. If you got 80 minutes to kill, just watch it. It's it's a giant Rob Zombie music video. It's kind of like a, a cramps film clip directed by John Waters. It's, it's just groovy baby i just like i just really enjoyed it what about you sean uh i personally hated watching this film (laughs) i think i was in a bad mood or something nothing about it clicked for me i found i just wanted Catherine heigl to immediately die yeah Uh, the very next day though i was blown away by how much i felt like i enjoyed it I this was not a big money hustlers. This was not a book of shadows to the Blair Witch Project or whatever the fuck that mess was. I, I this film had heart. This film had character. It was yeah. I I had a good time. I'm going to give this three bodies hitting the floor. Yeah, I think this might be a uh, aside from Blade. Uh, highest rated film i think for a movie about kill the dollies it works really well as a kitschy b-movie commentary or parody yeah Um, i mean this i haven't seen seed of chucky cult of chucky or even the much maligned recent remake what are you doing later (laughs) (laughs) but i love the first three child's play films they're great like late 80s early 90s like Pre Giuliani, pre Seinfeld, gritty, like grim New York exploitation. Scary Times Square with porno theaters instead exactly. of the MM store. Yeah. No. And at the heart of it is this, this stupid fucking doll. Yeah. And what a heart he has. <laughs> Finally, the last segment of the show, the often talked about scientific aspect of the show that has hard numbers some very considered and highly calculated sums we need to give this film a Durst rating six degrees of Durst six degrees of Durst six degrees of Durst six degrees of Durst shake my friends tonight Sean, can you guess the numerical value this film has been assigned? I don't want It's two. One, two. Catherine Heigl was the the variable. Would you believe I dropped out of math in year nine? (laughs) Catherine Heigl was in a film called Zizek's Road with (laughs) big money rustlers Tom Sizemore. 
who was in Pauly Shore oh, wow. is dead with Fred Durst. I feel like we need to watch Pauly Shore is dead. Shawnee, I need to know if you can stump the Durst computer. Unfortunately not. After much calculation, I was unable to find a better or clearer route than Catherine Heigl to Fred Durst. Unfortunately, everybody, in this time, the machines won. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and thank you, Drew. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, not a problem. I had a ball. That's lovely. Like, children play with balls. <laughs> That's true. And it was like, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any Totally Unicorn stuff you want to plug? Where can we um, find your music? Where can we find you on the internet? Just search Totally Unicorn in Google. You'll find it. <laughs> have you guys gotten anything coming up for soon? Not really. Not yeah, really? Not much, not much happening at the moment. Yeah, no gigs? <laughs> yeah, we've got a gig in 2025. <laughs> Once again, man, thank you so much. Uh, when we do Seed of Chucky, you got to come back, baby. Oh, <laughs> Sean, if people want to find us online, where do they do it, man? Uh, we are on Twitter as Take a Look Pod, on Instagram as Take a Look Around Pod. You can find us on Facebook as Take a Look Around the Podcast. And we also have a Patreon page where we have a new theme each month. Uh, it's a ball. There's several themes already under our belt. Prices start as low as $5. So come on down. Yeah. Give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> In these crazy times, the least I can ask for is $5. <laughs> thank you guys again. And thank you so much, Drew. Right. Right. Yep. I say bounce that shit like whoa. Yeah, bounce that shit like whoa. This is not a fair tale. I already know how you like it. Take it to the mall and get you a new outfit. Go to the Jetson Shop, play bounce that shit like whoa, 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 whoa.